1: Again, it is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Coming to you, admittedly, a little late. I am uh, such a nerd, Nick, about getting this thing out at 6 a.m. every other Monday. And extenuating circumstances, uh, you know, uh, April and I were uh, down in Indiana. We were doing a booth uh, for the Grand Petoskey and didn't get home till late last night. And it was pizza and beer and... That that's all I had time for, but I am uh, r- without further ado. I'm as always joined by my most excellent co-host, Katie Q. Katie, how the heck are you on this Monday evening?
2: I'm good. I don't even have an excuse. I was pizza and beer and last night too, and I wasn't even in Deneanda. <laughs>
1: oh my god! Well, what's funny is that I look at my phone when I get in, and you're like, "Aren't we recording right now?" And I'm like, "Uh, no." <laughs>
2: I haven't but, gotten used to Google Calendar yet, and so I looked at it, and it just said 7 p.m. recording, and I didn't right. realize there was just a small tick between where I was and Monday, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait, actually, no, that's tomorrow, okay, which oh, was fine man. with me. I was I was very, very tired last night. <laughs> I was going to
1: say, the, the, the moral of the story is that Monday is always closer than you think. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Why you got to say
2: that? Why, why you I don't do know. That? Well,
1: the good news is this Monday is almost over. So Monday is then now very far away. Meaning next week. So,
2: you know, you take yeah, the good. I guess you know we're never further away from Monday than we are right now.
1: <laughs> that's very true. Well, at least it's since it's seven o'clock and people will be listening to this around eight o'clock at the earliest. So yeah, you're right. By the time you listen to this, it's probably tomorrow. Um, but without further ado, uh kind of a one-two punch, this is episode sixty-six. Everybody just kill all the Jedi. Oh, wait, that's the wrong franchise. I <laughs> but I'm not gonna miss uh equal opportunity to make a lot of order sixty-six jokes throughout this episode. Uh uh, so we're just going to kind of see how that goes. But, Katie, uh, I have branched out. I found our, our VHS cover of the week. I branched out outside of uh, just looking at TOS covers. And I found one from DS9. I don't know if this is an overseas one because I know I know overseas. I know when I went to Ireland in the late 90s, they, they released the VHS region one tapes. They're like big and bulky size, like, like current episodes just dropped out. So, but this, this art I don't recognize, but this is from the season three, uh, deep space nine episode through the looking glass where it was the second of the mirror universe episodes, but you get kind of a look at look inside the sex dungeon. That was the uh, mirror universe Kira's uh, quarters. Uh, And it it was the one, (laughs) it was the one where Cisco is posing as his deceased mirror universe counterpart. And he does manage to immediately sleep with two of the women who he's platonically serving with back in his real timeline uh, while trying to save the mirror universe version of his, of his dead ex wife or his dead wife. It's just, it's very, as the world turns as, as the space station rotates. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. That's a, that's a trivia. So I know you're going to be joining me for deep space nine. Have you, have you seen the series all the way through before? Have you seen this episode?
2: Yes, I have. I had forgotten about, uh, the mirror universe stuff and so i was a little confused as i'm like what is, who is kira getting down with what is going on with this cover when it popped up but
1: it's just some i do rant. remember yeah
2: yeah i remember that and while i do love the mirror universe stuff a lot of times i was a little weirded out with the fact that like cisco was just like okay i guess we're doing this like i would have a lot more reservations just like going down to clown with like my co-workers. Yeah, right.
1: Like, <laughs> even well, it's if not, it is it's not really them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, even if it is isn't your universe, I'd still be like, mm, I'm sorry. I just... I just I think I'm coming down with something. I don't want you to catch it.
1: <laughs> <coughs> it's space COVID. Watch out.
2: Yeah. Oh I'm like, my yeah, God. I'll come up with some excuse.
1: <laughs> so this came out in the wild and woolly spring of 1995. I was in college at the time, so you know what they were they were having more fun than I was. I was you know I was still I was still a while a wiles away from you know just being awkward and having having you know. A serious girlfriend. Finding your so. mirror universe self. Finding my mirror universe self. I think he must cross over at one point because that's what we got now. That other nerd is stuck in the stuck in the other mirror universe. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, without further ado, we're uh, we, we, we've got the beginning of uh, some super sized episodes we're going to have because we not only have two. Uh, episodes of Star Trek Discovery to talk about, episodes 10 and 11. Uh, and But we have the first episode of season two of Star Trek. But, guard, I just can't contain myself. Oh, my God. And then we are going to, uh, at long last, put an end, put a, a bullet in the gun uh, that is season two of Star Trek. The next generation. So not to put the cart before the horse, proverbially speaking. Uh, Let's let's jump right into uh, Mission Logs with uh, Season 4, Episode 10, The Galactic Barrier of Star Trek Discovery. Katie, take it away.
2: Yeah, Captain Burnham and her crew must go where few have gone before beyond the galactic barrier. Meanwhile, Book learns the truth about what drives Ruan Tarka.
1: We'll and, call it get, get out of my dreams and get into my space anomaly.
2: <laughs> yes. I mean, I really, no, never. Mind. I think this was too little, too late for Tarka. Like I honestly was just yelling at yeah. him. Like, you don't care. I don't, he's an asshole. I don't care. Like trying to give him a backstory like, and make him Boo! like relatable at this point. I'm like, Boo! no, yeah, if they would have had exactly like, the, the empathy that Tarka was showing in this episode was great. And if they would have had that beforehand, Then I might have had a little bit more leniency toward him, but his entire drive of just being like, no, F everything. I need to get to this other universe and I don't care what's going to happen to this universe when I get there because essentially that was his pitch.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. He's right. Like, it's my thing because I want to do my thing. And yeah, you get this this tender friendship slash romance. Couldn't really tell. Doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, of him and this other prisoner when he was on this uh, on this colony, uh, this basically this mining colony uh, that was abandoned by the Emerald Chain or, or running still black market that he and Book go to to find the the widget that they need. It was kind of a widget chase uh, to mm-hmm. get the you know the widget that he needs. They the had the mining. MacGuffin. <laughs> the MacGuffin, yes, my, one of my favorite episodes of, of SSU that I titled was the Egg MacGuffin. So this was the <laughs> this was the Egg MacGuffin. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's just, it's really hard to feel anything for this guy. Like, oh, I've been a dick this whole time, but this is what I'm after because of my my friend, and I don't know if he's alive yet because they kind of did leave it a little fuzzy. It was a, maybe he escaped or blah blah blah? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And, I mean, I did like the. Um... The, you know it's always like weird science stuff that's going on and you know it, obviously it's it's the soft science type of stuff when it's coming to like them traveling through the galactic barrier and all that other right. stuff and I'm like I don't understand what's happening but it seems like everything's going great you're going to tell me that you have to do the call it and this put it do in the, the thingamabob do the hokey and, pokey yeah and then you turn <laughs> yourselves around and then you've got six seconds to jump to light speed or whatever or no. whatever <laughs> oh. oh.
1: <laughs> you, had, you had sentences the way that I loved it. So that's a that's a big one on the uh, the weekly planet, which is an Australian podcast. I listen to. They like to end a lot of sentences with uh, or whatever.
2: Right. So that's why I took I mean, a it, lot of that. You watch Star Trek knowing that you're going to get that, like you don't go into Star Trek being like, I'm sure this is going to be totally scientifically accurate. Obviously, it's not. But I like that they took this opportunity to, again, show more of the crew, the dynamicism between the president and um, Burnham was very good um i'm getting to like her a little bit more i didn't initially like the president very much right
1: She'll look crusty but you've seen that yeah. she's that she's got some wherewithal which I, right. I, I like that too yeah
2: and again doing doing with her where they're creating a foil for burnham unlike Tarka, where they were just like mm, i'm evil <laughs> 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 and um, yeah yeah
1: yeah
2: um yeah. Got more with Osoku or I'm um, with and, uh, 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 Ahsoka and Detmer. Ahsoka? No, with Ahsoka and uh, Detmer, which I think was good leading into the next episode, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, so yeah, overall loved loved what's going on in Discovery. I think that book should just push Tarka over a cliff.
1: Yeah, right. To be like, hey, look, what's that? Boop. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tarka has, he's, he is a Billy Zane level, a Billy Zane and Titanic level of villain. He's Mm -hmm. just very, very one dimensional. Oh, look, I have a heart because this thing or that thing, it ain't happening. It ain't happening, bro. And the whole galactic barrier thing, it's been, they did that in the, the, it was the the first aired segment or the second pilot of the original series, which was called Where No Man Has Gone Before. It was, you know, it was Kirk and Spock uh, along with, Kirk's BFF Gary Mitchell, who they they try to go through the barrier, and it was just a very matter of factly thing in that episode. They were like, "It ain't no thing. We're leaving the galaxy." Blah blah blah. Which is weird if you look at the map. Uh, You know, and I'm sure you can't really see it, but you know, if Starfleet is here and the galactic barrier is all the way over here, that's thousands of light years away. Which it makes sense for Discovery to make that trip, but not really make a lot of sense for the old Enterprise back in the old days. It would have taken them hundreds of years to get there because that was. That was the other shtick in one of the episodes we talked about not that long ago, of TOS, where they had to get to the center of the galaxy, and it was to say, oh, it's going to take 300 years for us to get there. So uh, that's why the sport drive is fantastic. Mm. Uh, you know, so I don't know, maybe they, maybe Spock, you know, snuck. Uh, Snuck some spores off of Discovery before they disappeared and became classified, <laughs> and and that was that was the secret that you didn't really get to see uh, that Scotty was huffing huffing you know spores. Scotty huffing mm-hmm. spores. That's not a bad one either. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the whole uh, you know they're in there and it's bubbles and stuff and whatever. Okay, very good. That that part of it was kind of like okay, it's that's very Star Trekky, but the consistency was missing. But it probably mm-hmm. doesn't bother anybody but me. So. We'll move on. Uh, I did not yeah. watch that episode twice, but I did. I did watch the next one twice. It's episode eleven, mm-hmm. Rosetta. Uh, which was talked about, of course, by Principal Kwan from Smallville, who's the doctor guy uh, who's on the ship, the, Asia, the Asian actor. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, yep. I mean, that's how you know this is filmed Filmed in Canada because you get the same, like, ten actors that are in everything. Uh, he's one of them. Uh, while Captain Burnham leads an away mission down to a planet that was once home to the aliens responsible for the DMA, Book and Tarka secretly uh, infiltrate USS Discovery crawling around in Jeffrey's tubes and being all sneaky. Um... This was another good aside for uh, Dent. Of course, we have um, we have mm-hmm. Adira back, but we didn't get Gray back. Adira and Gray not not super favorite characters of mine. I
2: really like Adira. I, I but I like Adira better about... after this. I do well, and there is something about the actor that plays Gray. I I, I feel like they kind of. Overact sometimes. Yes. Like it's just not quite honed in there. So every time they're, in, it's I'm just like, top, yeah. just tone it down just, just, a, just a smidge. Just a yes.
1: smidge. Yeah. It, um, it, like, it, it could be like a 6.2 or a five, yeah. F- 5.8. Yeah. It feels exactly. a
2: lot like the high school actors where they would come in and try to like, they're like, oh, I have to be enthusiastic now. It's like, no, you can right. just be like realistically enthusiastic. <laughs> like
1: you're in the school play and you're doing a lot of this. Da, da, da.
2: Yeah. Da, da, da. Of
1: yeah, ver- yeah, very much. It I was mean, bit- and
2: I, I, love the, I love the idea of both of them. And, you know, I, again, I'm very happy to have it here. And I think that the relationship between them and, um, oh, now I'm forgetting their names. Uh, Spore Drive Dude and The Doctor.
1: Oh, the uh, Stamets and uh, Wilson Cruz, who's yes. Dr. Colbert, Dr. Colbert.
2: Yes. I absolutely love their little family dynamic in their unit yeah that they have going on. It warms my heart every time. And I- like, this episode made it for detmer for me like that yes this was 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 your episode with detmer
1: this was your moment to shine because of course detmer is your she's your star trek soul animal She, you guys (laughs) look you guys look like you could be related very much so the hair is a little different but still the face structure very much looks alike so
2: i will be honest she when she watched and they had like the led black EV type uh star trek outfits because you know i'm always looking at the outfits now because i'm thinking always negative view i was like you know the LED lighting, if I was gonna do a Detmer, I could pull that off with my neon green and blue mohawk
1: oh, yeah, you could yeah, cause it's wearing that wearing that full bucket of a helmet just the with the face shield. you just need a big old blue contact and the little, <laughs> the little uh, seven of nine apparatus over the eye, yeah. Um, but I dug, I dug it, you know D- D- Discovery has really been busting their hump to take the fringe bridge characters and and make them because again, you know, it harkens back to TOS when your only, your only real starring characters were Kirk, Spock and McCoy and mm-hmm. everybody else got an also starring at the end of the show um, So, you know and, and all the bridge actors really from the beginning, we've had largely the same people, there have been some ads here and there um, have just been very background I didn't you know when anybody got a name But even starting in season two, uh, when uh, Pike and Burnham and then Joanne beamed onto a plant, they're like, well, Joanne is from a Luddite community and blah, 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 blah. And that's Mm -hmm. why we brought her here. So that started this trend of like, all right, we'll pull these background characters in and and start to give them, you know, start to give them a little skin in the game, make them relevant. And I think this did a nice job like we did back last season when, you know, they had the the you know world's most awkward dinner party when everybody was talking about how stressed out they were. She's like, oh, have you ever flown through a wormhole and done this thing and that thing, you know? And and just to see Adira, you know, get over her, you know, initial, like, I can't talk to people. And for her to just finally break down and, and sit down and have a drink uh with Edmer and have them kind of bond, I thought that that was pretty special. I, yeah. I like that. I did too, I, and...
2: And they're just the, the way that they're building out the, um, the aliens, what are the, the tens or the S S-men? the, ten, the ten, ten, 10 C 10 C. There we go. Yeah. I knew it was 10 and a letter,
1: <laughs> right? 10 and a letter. Pick pick one for first ten. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> um, I really like how they're building out. I was like my little middle schooler science, uh, person would have been super excited because I remember having an argument with my, middle school science teacher I was like well why couldn't there be aliens on a gas planet and he was like because that's not how they were and I'm like but we only know the life that we know so there could be aliens on a gas planet and then we find out that one of that part of the C uh, is that they were on their runes are from an old gas planet and I was like "Right."
1: <laughs> There you go. Take this episode of Star Trek, which is still just a TV show. You can shove it in his face. No, I, I don't, don't care. I'm still. Well, you don't do know? It. It's 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 in another galaxy, so you don't exactly. know because they're in another know. galaxy. So what's up is down and what's black is white. So um, yeah, I dug it. I, I love seeing the return of uh, Tig Notaro, uh mm-hmm. as Commander Jet Reno, who is she is the chief engineer now or she's unengineer. Who I don't care. She's great. Everything mm-hmm. the, everything that comes out of her mouth mm-hmm. is great and it's fun. She was the she was the i don't give a shit hostage at the end of it because uh, while tarka and book are sneaking around yes. uh you, you know you, tarka had to and it wasn't revealed until a last little funny aside on Bookship where she's behind the force field saying hey i'm the accidental hostage you know mm-hmm. i can't get no respect uh she's just it was great so yeah so we'll be moving forward uh in the last two episodes of the season with with kind of figuring out how that's going to shake out but yeah the clock is ticking i mean the uh the DMA is now, you know, crunching through the core of the Alpha Quadrant, and you know, Navarre slash Vulcan could be toast. United Earth could be toast. You know, so it's just the stakes are it's right up there. So, uh, so they got some work to do. Um, I, and I have no doubt they'll find a way to to really knock this deal out. So, yeah, I like it. It's a I like the very you know season long arc excitement uh, that is is really modern storytelling, which again, it's very contrary to the Star Trek you know, that we have seen in the past, but things have to evolve and grow to be different. And, and, and I appreciate that. So, yeah. But without further ado, I told you, you know, the, I think you and I had this conversation probably this time last week. I'm like, which one are you going to watch first? Because season one, episode one of Picard comes out on Thursday. And then they mm-hmm. drop episode 11 of Discovery at the first time. And I'm like, it's going to be Picard for me. And we were up at like five eleven, And I'm like, I gotta watch some Star Trek. I gotta see Picard. <laughs> so this, this this was this was terrific. So I was really fired up about this. And um, you, the, the, and this summary kind of sucks, but but it's your turn. So you go ahead. <laughs> you go right. ahead.
2: Starfleet must once again call in the legendary Jean Luc Picard after members of his former crew, um, Riho, Seven of Nine, Ra- uh, Raffi, and Doctor Agnes, um, discover an anomaly in the space that threatens the galaxy. Season premiere. <laughs>
1: Back to the anomalies. <laughs> I could not have been more excited by this episode. We got, uh, we've got we jumped forward uh, 18 months by the sound of it. So we are now in the 25th century. It's the year 2401.
0: Yay! Yay. Pew, pew, pew!
1: But we got, uh, we got our first real kind of star fleeting because we got... And then we have what people won't stop bitching about. Is that apparently in every era of modern Star Trek, there are... Two types of uniforms that, that are contemporaneous. So we had the one uh, from last season, of which I have two, ver- as a cosplayer, I have two versions of. Because I have a regular one. And then I have one that's from the Starfleet Marine Corps, which is made up. It's a cosplay thing. So, so I have two of those. Now they give us yet another one. And I'm just waiting to see that on my favorite store from Cosromart so that I can buy that one, too. Because I have a problem with cosplay. You do. You I do. do. Yes. I do. Though. I was very happy to uh, trade this weekend with uh, with uh, Lori Luchek, who is a member of our club, who I'm sure you know. Uh, she was working the booth with us. Um, but she always brings these great mannequin stands with us. I traded her for two of those mannequins for the Discovery Blues, which I don't wear that often. But she had a red wig. She put on the Discovery Blues, and she knows that she's going to have to tweak them a little bit. But she's now Tilly. And it was awesome. Love so, it. I love doing that kind of stuff. But anyway, uniforms, uniforms, uniforms. Uh, I love that, you know, we, we we got those. We did see that uh, some of our people have transitioned back into being Starfleet people. Rios is the captain of a ship called the Stargazer. Very nice homage. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are blowing things up online because a lot of the ships that you saw in the pivotal scene with the Borg-ish vessel with the weird, you know, Matrix-looking Borg person with the, you know, Dan It Death was a Borg prism. Helmet. It was a Borg, exactly. Yeah, they've had a Borg Sphere, they've had a Borg Vinculum, they've had a Borg this thing and that thing. But yeah, it was exactly that. So, but yeah, we had like a Borg Daft Punk Doctor Octopus thing happening with this Borg. It was it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the ships, little. Uh, piece of trivia for you that you saw in that background uh, were boosted from the uh, long-running Star Trek Online game, uh, oh, n- which
2: yeah.
1: a- which has never been canon. Now all those ships are canon because they've been on screen. So a lot of people are super excited about that, including you know there was a new Excelsior design, there was a, a, a ship that preceded uh, that w- that was the 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 next version of the Galaxy class ship, but blah blah blah. Anyway. Um, a lot of interesting stuff happened. We kicked off with, uh, you know, Picard doing the, uh, you know, Harvest Time back at the Vineyard. He's gone back to Starfleet, but he's he's the Commandant or the, the Chancellor. He was Commandant in the past. Now he's the Chancellor of Starfleet Academy. <laughs> um, and his, he, you know, he had his two Romulan sidekicks, the man and the woman. The man has passed away. Um, and the woman, and oh, my God, I, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Um,
2: Lu- it La- with Lar- Laris. Lar- Laris. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. she absolutely goes on full court press, making a pass at him. And he's like, I, 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 and, 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 he, and he fumbles. Uh, and he does it twice. And it's like, dude, I mean, even back, I mean, I know that you're almost a hundred, but you know, seriously, uh, how bad, how, I mean, is it that, does everybody's game get that bad? I guess I'm glad I'm not 90 and single because <laughs> it can, you cannot talk to women. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. Um, but he goes off, you know, there's a, there's a spatial anomaly and Rios' ship is nearby. Uh, you got seven of nine. Uh, is now runs the La Serena. She's out there doing her Fender's Ranger stuff. Uh, you got Girardi and I'm um, going to forget the girl's name, but I've even met her in real life. The android girl whose seven name of nine? is no, the android girl oh. from last season, and her name oh, is Soji. Soji, yeah, she's the only <laughs> she's the, she's the only member of the cast that doesn't end up on. Rios' ship when mm-hmm. the Borg, the Borg prism pops out, um, and that all goes very badly. The, you know the Borg, you know there, uh, you know the, this Borg Doctor Octopus Daft Punk thing shows up. They have to blow up the ship in order to stop it. Uh, and at the time the ship blows up, Picard wakes up back in his vineyard, like passed out in a corner, but he's wearing like this super SS Nazi looking outfit with jack boots and a weird looking Starfleet badge, and he's like. What the hell's going on? He's walking around his estate. He's calling for Laris. and then he sees this crazy painting on the wall of himself. And basically, I love this. A uh, it's it's the monster Maroon from the movies, from the TOS movies, but it's black and evil and ominous. And he's like, "What the hell's going on?" And he's got an android uh, butler who says that you know, should I open the should I open the shields? Uh, you know, the the windows today because the solar shield uh, isn't so bad today. And he's like, "What?" I'm just I'm totally cracking up. And then what happens? Then what
2: happens? And then spoilers, spoilers, so everybody stop listening now. Q shows up. And that's it. Because they had this really because I was very confused because I'm like, okay, how are they gonna are they gonna CG this dude the entire time? Like, how are right. they gonna do this? Because I'd seen kind of like teaser images of right. um, the Where actual, he's old, yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Where he's old. Um and I love it because they have it from afar, so you can see it's CG, but it's not like It's not like, you know, Mandalorian season two, Luke Skywalker season. (laughs) Yeah, I would.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, But it was brief. Thank God. Yeah, Yeah, it was brief.
2: And then he just like, oh, well, I see you've gone old. Here, I can match. And then he just, you know, drops that. And then you have, you know, like an older, you know, Q, which immediately, immediately just chemistry, the finesse, the je ne sais quoi, as I'm sure Q would love to say, just phenomenal. And I was super excited about that part.
1: Delancey is the greatest. So yeah, that was great. We also we also did get Picard. I've, you know what? And I, uh, I I hate to be that guy, um, but you did see Picard when he needed some advice on on his fumble after his after his romantic fumble with Laris. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to the Ten Forward Bar in Los Angeles, uh, which is run by Guinan. That's what Guinan's been doing uh, since we last saw her, you know, twenty years ago in Star Trek Nemesis. However. Here we go. This is this is how you know you're dealing with a real psycho, meaning me. Um, mm-hmm. There is, There is no Los Angeles in the future. In an episode of Voyager, when the crew had to go back to the present day of 1996, and they were in Los Angeles. You know the episode I'm talking about? It was a two-parter. Sarah Silverman was in it. And oh, yes, Jr. yes, was in yes. It. Uh, what Janeway mentions as they're strolling along the, the Venice boardwalk is that this entire area was destroyed by an earthquake in the year 2047 and it all fell into the sea. So there is no Los Angeles. You know, it's it's like uh, 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 Escape from L.A. where there was an earthquake and, and mm-hmm. it was all law. you know, whatever. But I mean, I just, yeah, uh, that's dumb. Maybe they
2: rebuilt. Maybe they, they rebuilt L- L.A. at that point.
1: It just seems weird that she would even bring it up. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. There must be something. So she's, you know, there's a lot more beachfront property in L.A., I guess, in the future. There you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then we're left with what's going to happen next week. And Q says the trial never ends. And then we get that we get that nice teaser afterward that says this season on Picard. Because See, and I specifically yeah. do
2: not want well, I hate it when they do that because I'm like, I don't want to yeah. know what's happening in the season. I want to be surprised when it comes to gotcha. I watch them and then I'm like, well, now I know everything that's going to happen. So,
1: well, not I mean, like not everything. It's ten yeah, episodes and help. it's like a-
2: I start putting together pieces and then I'm just yeah. bummed out when I, you know, well, cause that's, either yeah. I. Either I like my idea better and they don't do it, <laughs> or I know ah, what's going on.
1: <laughs> you didn't live up to my fan fiction, Paramount. Boom. Right. So that's Huge why I just don't open,
2: down. I don't, I don't open that can of worms. I leave there it alone. There you go.
1: That's, that's, that's very smart. Well, that, that wraps up uh, talking about new stuff. Uh, and again, when we get into our next episode, a couple of weeks from now, uh, it's going to be supersized because we're going to have two episodes. We're going to have the final two episodes of season four of discovery to talk about and episodes two and three of Picard. So, buckle in and then we're we're talking about a movie we're talking about Star Trek yes. Insurrection uh, and then uh-huh. and, the, and the one after that we have a super duper treat for you that was Katie's idea which actually I to tell you I think you should be the one Driving the ship when we do that episode. That's what I think.
0: Oh, I think,
2: absolutely.
1: I think you be the host, and I'll be the you. I mean, I can't really be you, but I'll do the best I can.
0: Well,
2: I can't really <laughs> be you either, but I'll try. Aww. I don't have nearly as many enough Starfleet uniforms. <laughs>
1: well, no, I mean who who does? Uh, except for except for the except for the fine folks at uh, Viacom Paramount CBS. Um, <laughs> 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 all right, moving on. Uh, limping across the finish line oh. of it's been a long road. It was
2: Very long. <laughs>
1: uh, yes, it was, lo- it was long, and it, it perhaps went off a cliff. Uh, but ridiculous. we're <laughs> right. Yes, it was. It was the Oregon Trail. This was the Oregon. <laughs> that could be the name of the episode: the Oregon okay. Trail. Yes. The Oregon Trail. Oh, and I now I have to change it from Space mm-hmm. MacGuffin or whatever. Is now it's the Oregon Trail. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting into the tail end of. Of season two of TNG. So we've got, and again, it's a season that was cut short by the 1988 writer strike. So it was 22 episodes instead of 26. And uh, good, because these last four were nothing to write home about. So Katie, why don't you kick us off?
2: Um. Oh. <laughs> Um, let me see. Uh, the Samaritan Snare. Picard must undergo a series of medical procedures where the Enterprise D deals with a packlit ship which lures the Enterprise away in hopes for stealing its technology. Um, it was written by Les Landrew and uh, directed by Robert McCullen. Did I get that right or did they switch them?
1: Uh, you actually said Landrew, which is hilarious because that was the My name dad. of a that was the name <laughs> of a villain in an old TOS episode. <laughs> so I'm like, which which was spoofed in Lower Decks. In yes. addition to the fact that the Packlids are recurring characters yes.
2: in Lower Decks, which I was so- honestly I was really excited because I was like, ha, Packlids! <laughs> I remember that because I I know them now mostly from. Uh, um, well, yeah, lower decks, and right. uh, the entire time I'm watching it, all I can think of is red alert, red,
1: red alert, red alarm red, <laughs> alarm, red alarm. Oh, yeah, and I mean, yeah,
2: lower decks does way better with them. I was just, just so, what the hell is going on this entire episode? Like, I mean, basically, Troy walks in and is like, "Hey, guys." they're bad what are you doing and, right and they're like oh, no gosh, they're not up. nobody cares <laughs> yeah
1: Ooh, yeah you're right very say he's like well they're not harada or ramiel he's like shut up bitch you don't know what you're doing right.
2: and, i you know, know yeah because yeah, basically the packlets show up and they send jordy over there and Worf points out why are we sending our chief engineer to a ship that we do not know, we have no idea who these people are, and you're just wanting this in our chief engineer over there, and Riker's like, yeah, this seems like a good idea.
1: Whatever. It's good. It's good. It's good or whatever.
2: Right. It was like yeah. it's, it's, I feel like the problem with the packlids in is that to have them come off seriously, you have to have your crew be even stupider than they are. Like if you're yeah. if you're gonna have your crew f- succumb to them, you have right. to have your crew be stupid. Yeah. To not the- be able to see what's going on.
1: You gotta du- you gotta dumb it up a bit, and I think they pulled it off. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, the, you're right. They tried to lower the bar even more. They're like, oh, they used their crimson force field on us, and the guys were like, what? So it's just yeah,
2: yeah. I was like, just shoot their shields off and then get Jordy, because at this point know. they're not Federation. They've kidnapped a crew member. That'd be considered a hostile act. Like it's not like these are like Vulcans or Romulans or Klingons or something where you'd be like. Faith, treating major consequences
1: right is it just like you know go back and get back under your rock or whatever and yeah you're right at the end of it they're just like okay well you know fuck off or whatever and it was like it was no big deal yeah so yeah really 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 dumb episode without Mm -hmm. a doubt even picard's you know and i'm sure you love that yeah picard had to get his bionic heart replaced and so he had this touching like you know it was like the it was like you know National Lampoon's uh, Family Vacation of him and Wesley driving the shuttlecraft, which is so dumb. Why did they have to get? Why does a captain have to get on a super slow moving shuttlecraft with a stupid ensign? When don't you think they could just fly over and drop him off a hell of a lot faster than whatever the hell it is that they were doing? Um,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> because in the end of it, that's what they do, so that so that your favorite character of all time, Dr. Pulaski, uh, can come along and save his life because she's the best doctor who's ever lived. whatever
2: that's what also again i didn't understand because you know the last episode we were just talking about with q about how picard is not a proud man he like he has pride for his crew and he has pride for like starfleet but him and himself he is fine with being able to acknowledge that he cannot do something Mm
0: -hmm. because that
2: was his whole thing in that last episode and now we've got it where he will he won't let uh Pulaski, who obviously is the most skilled, because she ends up having to go and save his ass while he's under the knife, right? And she's telling him, "Hey, this is my specialty. I'm the one who could do this procedure for you right here on the ship. You wouldn't have to leave." And he's like, "No, I need to leave and go and travel all this distance on a slow ass, you know, shuttle, right? Exactly, so that I can go to this because I don't want my crew to know that I'm weak."
1: <sighs> Groan.
2: Whatever. Hey, I was bro. Like, this doesn't really feel like him at all. Like it, it right. felt like a bad interpretation like if someone had read like the generalized wikipedia entry of picard right thought that's what picard was that's what they were getting
1: and this person who wrote this was it was a staff writer. This was somebody who yeah. wrote a lot of different episodes. So there wasn't like one of those one-offs that we talked about early in the season, where it's written by these three people who they're actually baristas at Starbucks or whatever, and they don't know what the mm-hmm. hell they're doing. You know, they yeah. don't watch they don't watch the show. So all right, well, moving from one to the next, we get into, we get into an episode that I actually really enjoyed. But it's a it's it's a it's a huge caricature and stereotype of of my Irish ancestors because that's all we got going on. Uh, but this is uh, this is up the long ladder, uh, directed by. Uh, series regular Winrich Colby, uh, written by, Melinda, again, Melinda Snodgrass. Oh, you know what? I was, I was looking at the wrong one. The, the last one was written by Robert McCullough, who was not a regular. So maybe that's why.
2: Maybe. Yeah, maybe.
1: exactly. But Melinda Snodgrass is a regular, regular staffer. So uh, this was uh, came out at May 22 of 1989. Uh, Picard must find a way to Uh, rescue two radically incompatible cultures, one a primitive Irish farming colony threatened by solar flares, and the other colony of clones facing inevitable genetic uh, degeneration. And how is he going to save them? By making them get busy. But not before the sexy Irish daughter... Seduces Riker because again, this is the season of who can't keep their pants on, and Riker wins this episode anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this was just so there. There were so many. There, uh, I. This is the episode. Whenever I think of TNG, the first time I watched through it, this was the episode. I remember ha- I had one of my first big freakouts because literally this Brianna or Bruna is right yeah, Brianna, at yeah. because he's just standing there staring at her with his stupid creepy grin on his face so she goes from yelling at him to all of a sudden being it was like she went from like f you to f me in like 0.0, 0 seconds flat where then this the next thing I know she's like going to his room which you know also weird she doesn't know this man He's on duty. Apparently, these are part of his duty.
1: He's on booty duty. uh, Booty duty.
2: (laughs) There you go. Oh
1: my god. Okay, new episode. New episode title. There
2: you go. You're just making all of the episode titles, and then they're just like Pulaski refers to them literally as breeding stock, and that's yeah, that's what gives Picard the idea of oh hey, we'll just give you know the one colony that has the gene problem after they stole genetic material from two of his crew, these other, you know, this other colony. And Oh, by the way, these women are going to have to have multiple children from three different partners. So they're basically literally just going to be having babies, like for the rest of their lives. Like, this is, this is not okay. None of this is, this somehow is both racist and sexist all at well, the same time
1: it seems it seems very anti federation you know what i mean it's like it okay we're playing god we're going to take group a we're going to make him basically hump group b and the, the clones uh, will just make a bunch of clone whatevers and so yeah it's it seems very uns it, it seems a very Captain Kirk kind of solution. This definitely feels more like an episode of the old show than it does of TNG, which definitely kind of pushes the envelope in later seasons of, you know, uh, you know, transgendered individuals and pansexuality with Riker in particular, mm-hmm. that was just in the same episode.
2: Oh yeah. You know, and, <laughs> uh,
1: and and all this kind of different stuff. So yeah, this still, you know, I mean season two, and again we're we're kind of rattling to the end of it with with some really bad episodes. The the next two episodes in the row in a row are all about sex stuff,
2: right. uh, you know. I know that Snodgrass she initially wrote this episode to be discussing more about like immigration policy and right. you know the United States treatment of immigrants as they're coming mm-hmm. in, and from my understanding, a lot of that got lost in translation with the rewrites. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Makes this sense. one just came off as kind of like weird, kind of commentary on bodily autonomy, but then also completely negating that, and, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Was, did this one have that cool scene with uh, with Worf? Because didn't he get sick? At the beginning of the episode, and then they just never talked about that one again. Was that this? Yeah, one?
1: He, uh, it was the the Klingon measles, and I, th- I think yeah. it was. I think it totally was this episode. Yeah, yeah and the, then him the-
2: and Pulaski had that cool tea ceremony, and it's yeah. lethal to humans. So she gives herself an antidote so that she can participate in the tea ceremony that he honors her with, which I thought was so cool.
1: One of the first, you know, redeemable things that she does, you know, is that yeah, she's like, and then she says, "Quote me some of that love poetry." So Whoa, I wonder what happened after that. I don't know. <laughs> Remember, it was uh, it, it was uh, women women uh, throw things at you and they and they growl. So what do the men do? He ducks a lot.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Well, uh, the next one's all yours, and it's uh, it's it's no improvement.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see. Yes, this is manhunt. Lexana Troy arrives on the Enterprise, intent on finding a husband.
1: Oh my goodness! Now this does. This has launched a great meme of Riker and Troy sitting side by side on the couch as as she kind of explains what's going on with Loxana. So Loxana Troy, uh, this episode, by the way, uh, directed oh. by Rob Bowman, written yes. by Tracy Torme, who again was a staff writer uh, in June of nineteen eighty nine. Um, Loxana is uh, played by the the late great uh, Major Barrett Roddenberry, uh, wife mm-hmm. of Gene Roddenberry, and of course Nurse Chapel from the original series, etc. Um, so yeah, she comes along and she's just she's man crazy. She's trying to find a A man, nobody really, even Troy is kind of elusive about explaining it, Um, but she really wants to, you know, she makes it very well known that she wants to shake Picard down and she wants to do that thing to him. Um, so, uh, you know, Picard finally comes to Troy and you know, Deanna and says, what the hell's going on? Well, my mother is entering the phase, which uh, a Venezoid Be- uh, Be- Be- woman of her age basically quadruples their sex drive. Uh, or Riker explains that part because well, so yeah. Deanna explained to me when we were dating. It just looks very smarmy. And then she says, <laughs> well, uh, where a woman quadruples her sex drive or more. And he goes, or more. <laughs> <laughs> he does like from happy days. <laughs> because she's
2: like, Well, I didn't want to frighten you. And just that's one of those moments where you have such great chemistry between mm. Frank Stewart and I'm um, where they're just like yeah. going around. I mean, because even like Riker, yeah, he has that goofy grin, but it's very much like a goofy grin of like just a shared joke between two friends. Right. Where he's like, he's just a, thoroughly enjoying where he's like, you kept this a secret, not because you were ashamed, but because you thought I would freak out. And he just thinks that's absolutely hilarious. And I, then as she's explaining this, because it's basically like her mom's power, like her abilities of telepathy are kind of clouded at this point, because I was kind of, until I got that explanation, I was actually super pissed. Cause I was like, She's gotta know, right or that Picard is not into her. Yeah. He is it's, no doubt she's about not it. being subtle about it. Oh, yeah, She's just like totally going after it. And I was like, that's a little weird. But then, you know, right. Diane explains that because of the phase it's of science can't yeah, thoroughly understand. I was like, okay, I guess. But like then, Riker has this again, just huge shit-eating grin, and he's like, Congratulations, Captain. <laughs> You, you buddy tell, yeah you can tell just frank's as an actor is just having the yeah, time right. of his life it is just absolutely it, fantastic for him
1: it was fun. yeah they were running out the clock with these last few episodes because like there's there's no there's no former function to it and yeah this one ends in a in a holodeck scene that doing you know back in the dixon hill uh mm-hmm. era and you know troy falls for the bartender at rex bar and it's just it's just well, silly that's and it's that troy it, does yeah, Luoxone on Troy does. And so in the end of it, she just kind of, oh. oh, uh,
2: And then there's, there's little... also, no, there's the two fish people, which well, um, that's, that's, that's super xenophobic about. Like, right. super xenophobic. <laughs> but in
1: the end of it, uh, Troy uses her powers and discovers that uh, the fish people were going to blow up the whole conference. Little known fact, one of the fish people, and this is so random, played by Fleetwood Mac's own Nick Fleetwood. Shaved mm-hmm. off his beard to put on the... The fish garb. I just always found that was fascinating. Uh and, and I'm a huge fleet with Mac found. And it never yeah. says a
2: word the entire time, I don't think.
1: I yeah, unless it was... well, one of the fish people was talking, maybe yeah. it was the other one. one. I have one no idea. The,
2: one of the fish people had a uh, line at the end of the episode. Right. Because they were saying that it was like preposterous that they would be assassins. And right. then it's like and then they're just like, Okay, cool, no, they're just go to the brig. It's fine. I'm like, I would have yeah. loved to see that like Right. And, These episodes, it felt like there was the A A plot and the B plot. It was like, never shall the two meet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Ooh, Strangers in the Night. (laughs) Without a doubt. But... There are no strangers in the night in this next episode. Oh my goodness. This is where you you almost get to see the goods with the the Klingon uh, mating ritual. This is episode 20. The Emissary, uh, directed by series veteran Cliff Bull. uh, Screenplay by Thomas Calder. And teleplay and screenplay by uh, Richard Manning and Hines Beimler, who was again a regular, so this was this was a little more consistent with some Star Trekky stuff. Again, from June of 1989, the Enterprise crew has to deal with a Klingon sleeper ship whose occupants don't know that the Federation and the Klingons are at peace. On board to help them is an emissary who, co- oh, I'm sorry, parenthesis, not air quotes, coincidentally is one of is is they say one of Worf's former love interests, like he was Mac Daddy, but this was the only one we had heard of up to that point. Uh, played by the stunning. Uh Susie Plaxen, actress Susie Plaxen as Kalar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we get to see uh we get we have some really cool moments, I think, with this with this actress. She's she's very fiery. She comes in, she's you know, she's poking Wharf, giving him a hard time. Uh it seems like they had had a, a flingy ding probably when he was at Starfleet Academy, because she says five, six years ago the timing would line up. Mm-hmm. Um but you see, you know, you kinda of see a nice connection between her and uh, and Troy, because they're walking and talking about being children of two cultures, because Kalar is half Klingon, half human, kind of like we get out of Blonda Torres in Voyager. Though I c- certainly find Kalar to be a, a hell of a lot more charming uh, as a character than I ever found Torres. Um, but you know, obviously, it's the same thing with uh, with Troy, because she's. You know, Betazoid and human. So, um, but the the real meat, as it were, uh, of this episode is when uh, you know uh, Kalar and Worf uh, are just loggerheads. They can't work together because they there's this you know bubbling tension, sexual tension underneath them, talking, trying to solve this problem of of the Klingon sleeper ship. Are they gonna Are they gonna try to reintegrate them? Are they just gonna have to try to kill them because they're they're not gonna they're not gonna uh, stop from attacking the Federation colonies they're near when they wake up. Uh, that they end up sharing Worf's calisthenic program together, where they end up, you know, fighting these Haldic monsters, and at the end of it, they get down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they get down during a commercial break, uh, but they do the Klingon, you know, squeezing the wrist so hard that your fingers bleed because, you know, that's pretty sexy to me. But again, cultural bias—I don't know—I <laughs> don't know what's sexy to Klingons, but yeah, it, it jumps into the fact that Worf is very traditional because he was the same way with you know dax and ds9 you know well you know we did it so now we got to get married uh mm-hmm. you know or Which even i uh, just
2: i thought it was just hilarious because i was like dude you need to chill like i know <laughs> just, he the, immediately the, the, as soon as they're done he immediately starts screaming about like the the marriage vows and she's like right Excuse me no no sir no. this was sir this sir this was a fun fling. I I don't think you read the terms of agreement here. <laughs> yes.
1: yes, the the mutual consent agreement. Oh, mu- yes. mutual <laughs> mutual cling consent agreement. Oh god, the episodes just keep the episode <laughs> the episode titles just keep uh presenting keep coming.
2: Let's keep coming. Oh, my I mean, and I really I really really enjoy her um as a character. I was really excited when she showed up um again cuz I had for, I had remember or I knew she was there. I remembered I really enjoyed her with the first time through. And then as soon as she popped up again, I was like, oh, yes, I loved her. It was really great. And I think, she again, she was a really great foil for Worf because where Worf is very, um, very torn and like really heavily embraces his Klingon culture because he was raised as a human or raised with humans. And he's trying to kind of, you know, overcompensate for that. The entire mm-hmm. conversation she's having with Troy is the fact that she's like, I feel like I can't. Um, really embrace my Klingon side because I have kind of, you know, this devil within me that is just rage and fury and I don't know what to do with it. and I don't know how to control it. Right. Part of why she goes and does that calisthenics program because, you know, Troy's like, well, you know, maybe try to get some of that aggression out in a healthy way. Um, uh-huh. really, good use, really good use of Troy, though, as far as yeah, totally. her as the ship's counselor, like kind of counseling, kind of, yeah, yeah exactly. giving her a moment to say like, "Hey, this is you know, like this would be what a day on the ship would be like for her when she's not you know telling them obvious things that they're not paying attention to."
1: Packlets <laughs> pac- are bad. Pac-Lens what are you doing? <laughs> Shut up, bitch! No, you don't know. Oh, that's terrible. Oh my gosh. So anyway, all right. Moving on. Uh, this next one's yours. Go for it.
2: Um. Peak performance. Um, with the Borg threat in mind, Starfleet stages a war game simulation pitting Captain Picard and the Enterprise against Commander Riker with an 80 year old ship, the Hathaway. However, when the Ferengi suddenly attack, the Enterprise is crippled, forcing Picard into a seemingly no win situation. It's uh, written by Robert Shearer and, or no, directed by Robert Shearer and uh, written by David Kemper.
1: Excellent. Boy, it's weird. This the this season ran into July, which is weird. But again, writer strike, even though less episodes. So there's lots more reruns. So yes, the 80-old Starship Anne Hathaway, and they were attacked by a guy who was Quark's cousin because it was again played by Arvin Shimmerin, who played the he played the first two Ferengi characters, uh at all, uh, in TNG, but not, uh, presumably not, I don't, I believe they're not the same character. Uh, and then he goes on to be Quark. So I guess he just, he fit the bill of being short and looking like a troll. So thumbs up. Though we, we end up seeing, uh, Max, Max Grodenchik who went on to play Rom, also play a different, uh, character. So it's like the, the Ferengi, you know, casting pool was very, very small. So that's, we got a lot of overlap, but yeah, this was one of the last times you really saw, um, the Ferengi where they're trying to pitch them as a threat because they were supposed to be the new Klingons when the series started. Like, Oh, they're the new bad guys whatever. But when you find out all they really care about is money and, and gold and you can get that out of a replicator, they're really not that scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, like with episodes like this, you're like, well, let's, you know, roll back out the Ferengi because I don't even, I don't even know they're featured another time during season two. No, uh, they were never, yeah.
2: they did not show up at all during season two.
1: Yeah, so this this was it and it was pretty lame, but you know, you got some great Rikering moments. He was, you know, doing strategy and the, the Hathaway is actually it's funny. With, you know, Picard bringing back the name Stargazer, the Hathaway was the same class of ship as the Stargazer, which was Picard's first command. It was a, a Constellation-class ship. So I, I think this episode's kind of fun. I like it. You get, uh, as opposed to the, the Paklids, who are dumb with, like, looking like they have chewing gum on their face, you get the Dorn who also look dumb with chewing gum on their face, mm-hmm. but they're really smart. So chewing gum on the face is apparently uh, not a uh, not a divining rod between intelligence and stupidity in the Star Trek parlance. So
2: yeah, I, and I thought it was
1: an okay episode. Certainly yeah. one of the, stro- the stronger ones of this
2: group, oh, without definitely. a doubt. Yes. You and know? I mean, I really, um, I liked watching the crews, the dynamicism between the crews as far as um, setting them up as kind of opposing forces versus, mm-hmm. you know, being, uh, being, I guess, collaborative forces. Um, the the weird dude who was supposed to be the genius strategist. They could have right. pushed him on airlock at any point. It was a, what again, a
1: schmuck. Yes. Kind of a
2: target type character where he was just, right. there. He, he was there to be an asshole. He was there to just be, you know, just full of himself. He beat data at a game of Strategium, Um, yeah. and then that kind of gave data a weird, like failure, um, which was a kind of a good learning point. Cause you know, I've yep. heard people were talk about, you know, data actually has a really big ego or he, you know, his ego gets bruised a lot. And I'm like, no, I don't really honestly think it was ego. It was him going, I didn't make the right choice. I need to analyze until I know what choices I made that could have been correct. So I can learn from it. It was computer oriented until Picard came and said, Hey, there's going to be times where you can't make the, you could make every choice correct and it still could be a failure. And I think that that was a really good way of data to kind of learn that bit of humanity there. Um, There's
1: actually, there's actually that quote, uh, is on, you probably can't see it, but on my back wall here I have a, uh, a made up uh, dedication plaque for the Grand Potaski our, our Fan club chapter that makes that quote it is possible to commit no mistakes and still fail. That is not a weakness, that is life. Jean-Luc Picard. There Love that quote. Yes. Love it.
2: That's Yeah, and I thought that was a really good kind of lesson takeaway. Um, Data becomes the first kind of troll of TNG because he decides that instead of trying to win the rematch of Strygium, <laughs> he's just going to not let the other guy win. Right. And I was reminded of my mill decks when I would play um, MTG. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my blue decks, my control decks are just, I'm not going to win. But you're not going to win either, so okay. right. Mm, I, it's I had that face. Yes, <laughs> one of the old fashioned.
1: If I can't have it, nobody will. Yeah, there exactly. you go. Exactly. Scorch the earth. Well, speaking of scorch the earth, how do you end a crap season oh. as crappily as possible with a clip show? That is right. Episode oh. one. Episode twenty two is called Shades of Gray, and I will not lie to you. I was traveling. Uh, Last week, as I do every week uh, for my job, I usually stay at at a Hampton Inn uh, because I can plug in my Roku. So I plugged in and I was watching the last couple episodes of the show. Uh, I crawled into bed to finish watching this episode and slept through more than half of it. And I've never been happier.
2: I wish that would have been the case between the clips and then having to remember what Riker looked like without a beard. Oh traumatizing. But, he
1: look, but he looks like me. You've seen my famous cosplay picture. That's me. No. no. Oh, all he, right.
2: He does he there's something about his weird chin. I just don't like his chin, I guess. He, he,
1: it, it, it is there, like over he
2: looks oh, oh. slightly more creepy without a beard. I don't know what it is, but he looks it's, slightly more creepy without a beard.
1: Instead of oversimplified, it's overdimplified.
2: There you go. over I think, is what it what our uh over
1: Over-dimpl-
2: Overdimplified.
1: <laughs> over dimplified I, I, I love how we get to over
2: but between that and Troy's overacting, like I know that they were probably just giving her these really bad directions and we're in that point of just kind of television history of where they were still like just making everything big and everything just over emotive and I was like Troy was, just, just stop for five seconds and I mean it was, the thing is like, I think the idea of having Pulaski and Troy together working through it and the whole idea of him that there was this being semi-sentient vine that poisoned him with this like right. parasite thing, all very cool ideas, which then just end up being like half of the episode being weird throwbacks,
1: right. And exactly. And I, was like, I mean, in the end, you can certainly see that, hey, guess what? Uh, we're out of money. We're out of ideas. We're out of you know, writers. We, we're out of writers. Uh, yeah, so we're just like we wrote, We filmed. You know what's this like? Was it reminds me of a Simpsons bit containing forty seven percent new footage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, pretty much what this was. Yeah, because it was. Yeah, the uh, the, the episode of Shades of Grey, by the way, uh, directed by Rob Bowman, uh, teleplay Richard Manning, and again Hans Blimer and Maurice Hurley, uh, who left the staff after this. He was the guy kind of drove, the boat, which is why I'm not going to say that's why season three is so much better. But when you don't see a lot of these same names, you know, sorry, Maurice Hurley. Never heard anything from him since. Whoops. Hopefully nobody, nobody adds us at Twitter about that. Who Maurice Hurley fans. I don't think there are any. <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah, Pulaski is forced to, you know, zap him with whatever to make him have bad memories while Troy's holding his hand and this thing and that thing. Uh, and it's, 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 it's just clip show heaven. And uh, I would imagine I can guess your favorite part of this episode. When me to take a swing. Sure. I, I already know last appearance of Dr. Catherine Pulaski. In no, Star actually, Trek.
2: I I ended up liking Pulaski. I think that oh, she turned would, the corner. Yes, the first few episodes of her were really really bad, but the um, episode we had where um, they had the super children, right.
1: Um, right. Well, I think yeah, that, right.
2: I was saying that if that would have been her first episode, I think that she would have come across a lot better because just the way that they set her up was really, really poor.
1: Yeah. She just rolled in. She's like, Hey, I'm big shot or whatever. And he kiss my ass. Okay. Uh, yeah. Dr. McCoy ripoff. but yeah. Uh, so this was the end. They limped to the end. Uh, and then, yeah, when we get to season three, which is, that's going to be quite a waste on the road. Cause we still got DS nine, DS nine to go through. And we've got uh, an episode of Voyager to go through and then a season of Enterprise. So we're not going to be back to TNG for quite some time. But Katie, you'll, you'll be back with me, obviously, when we do that. But okay. yeah, we, we, we get everything new in season three. Beverly Crusher comes back. Uh, we get, you know, snazzy new uniforms. You know, even like the film type changes. Things, just everything's very different. Um, but anyway, so wrapping up season two, highs of, give, give me a one high and a one low. What's your favorite and what's your least favorite?
2: Um, definitely, the Q episode would be my favorite. And um, <laughs> I, I uh, pulled out the big guns when someone else asked me because they found out I did this. And they're like, "Oh, well, what was your what's your least favorite uh, TNG episode?" And without a doubt, I said, "Season two, episode one." And they're like, oh, "Oh, it wasn't which- that bad." I'm like, "It." I'm like, "It literally has sexual assault." And they're like, "Well, I mean, I'm like,
1: but but by by, by, by uh, basically by a space spore,
2: right?" Yes, I'm like, exactly. Just, I'm like, that was a very bad episode. So that's bad.
1: That is that was my
2: yes. I would say that takes touch. it for all all uh TNG. That is my least favorite episode.
1: I understand. So, so you're, you're saying that by doing this, you now have a fan. We have a new listener because of you?
2: I don't know. I don't think he oh. want to listen after. No, it.
1: how could he, you?
2: He was like, I bet like Cheese Factor. And I'm like, you asked me what my least favorite episode was.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't say if he can't stand that he get out of the kitchen. Well, I will say my favorite episode of the season was, was the Icarus Factor. That was Riker and his father, mm-hmm. uh, which again, fathers and sons. That's very. Uh, to me, those are of, of any story that's always going to be one that's going to touch me very poignantly. I like a lot of a lot of men grew up having a tough relationship with my dad. I have admittedly a tough relationship with my two sons from time to time. So that that really spoke to me. And, you know, I'm going to take the softball on this. This clip show was dog shit. This last episode of the season was absolutely <laughs> dreadful. I mean, at least when the Simpsons did a clip show, aka the 138th episode spectacular, it was fun and they were making fun of the fact that it was a clip show. This was right. nobody else does that and this was this was the only
2: There's some well, self-awareness.
1: Yeah, Sorry. there's some self-awareness because at least when TOS did a clip show which was the menagerie, the two part one in the first season where they took the cage with Captain Pike and whatever and they recycled that footage uh so they could put it on there. At least there was a framework around it that made sense for it to be a clip show. This was just this was just we're out of money and we're out of writers, let's just have a clip mm-hmm. show or whatever. It's all we had going on. So, with that we close we closed the book on season two, uh, and we're going to be moving on to uh, talk about uh, movie number nine, uh, Insurrection, in our next episode. But, Katie, as always, is your honor to take us out.
2: Yes. Um, for more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grand Potoski and Region 13 on Facebook.
1: Oh, yeah. Friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring, and keep on tracking.
2: And wherever you go, go boldly.
0: This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server or follow at Secret U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Seeker Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Seeker Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.